I mean he's an impersonator. A fake. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you the following urgent announcement. You, yes you, put down that oversized bottle of scrumpy and listen here. Do you like being entertained? Do you like television? Well, do we have the show for you. Built for people who love TV, where three rapscallions dissect two television shows, one old and one not so old, for a probable audience of one. It's time for Hardly TV History. Hello and thanks for tuning in to Hardly TV History, the show where three idiots talk about two TV shows for a probable audience of one. My name is Shannon and as usual, joined here by Christian and Jake. G'day everyone. Oh jeez. Oh, he's, he started early. He started early. Now, what well, I will say is what a genuine delight this episode was to prepare. I was so happy. I was so happy, Shane. It is, it's not like the torture we've put ourselves through in other other weeks. I'm looking at you, Sex and the City fans. We uh, This was a genuine delight. I love these shows, and I can't this wait. This is one for them. us. This is one for us, people. Or for uh, me, anyway. I'm not sure about it's, Christian. It's, it's, I feel like it's hitting our target audience. Um <laughs> Which we've been targeting quite aggressively. So, uh, and whatever, yeah, oh, we're unabashedly after the over sixty fives. So, and I, and I think this is really pitched at them. I think this is these are the types of shows that we're really angling for. So, buckle in, octogenarians. We've got the shows <laughs> for you. All right. So, when I'm not going to give you the hint about what this what these shows are linked. We want you to guess. We're going to leave it open. Uh, we, uh, call in. Um, and tell us what you think the show's the link is. Uh, we're not a call-in show, but I, I promise you <laughs> it's also not live. So, it ha- look, it has some problems to start with. In two weeks' time when this goes live, call us, call, yeah. Yeah. call us and tell us. Uh, you know, we, it's a really tough link to make this one. It's a, it's a little bit out there. We're doing – the old show is Futurama. The new show is Rick and Morty. So, uh, you know, only a genius will crack that code. <laughs> so, let's start off with with the old show, the old old show uh, of Futurama. Christian, tell our audience all about Futurama. First off, I'm going to take issue with you calling it the old old show. I remember watching Futurama when I was still in school, so I take offence at the implication that it is a show for octogenarians. It is. They loved it. That was their title. How dare you? How dare you? All right. So I'll give you the two minutes Cliff Notes version of Futurama. Basically, it follows the story of Philip J. Fry, who's a delivery boy who finds himself uh, blasted a thousand years into the future um, after an incident uh, winding him up inside cryogenic storage. And it follows the adventures of him and the Planet Express crew, who are the delivery company that he winds up working for in the future. That, that is the most succinct subscription of a very complex show I've ever heard. Well done. <laughs> it was simplistic yet perfect. It was, it was amazing. Uh, it, is, it is a show made by uh, the creators of The Simpsons, and you will absolutely note, first of all, that the show has a very, uh, a very uh, familiar-looking uh, look to it in terms it of it's, it's drawn by, uh, by the, in the same art style as The Simpsons. Um, and, it, and it's very similar to The Simpsons in, the, in its tone, I suppose. And, uh, and that's immediately what sucked everyone into it, is the fact that Matt, Matt Groening's name was on it. It launched, and I, look, you might be wrong here, it, it launched sort of at the, when a lot of people say The Simpsons had already jumped the shark. Is that, is that kind of the timing? Season 8, 9, 10, somewhere uh, around there? 1999. So, yeah, you're looking at around, start of season 11. 
Yeah. So, so I'd argue that all of the good writers from The Simpsons went across and made Futurama. That's 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 how I, I see the downfall of Simpsons and the rise of Futurama. I think that's definitely an appropriate um, viewpoint. Whether or not it's true, I don't think any of us will ever know because we're just a couple of hacks on the other side of the planet from where it well, was it's, created. It's the reason the show is called Hardly TV History, not super duper well informed TV <laughs> history, you guys. So that's yeah. So you know, for all you people like furrowing your brow at us, stop because it's in the hints in the name of the show. That's exactly right, and also we're doing this for free. I don't remember getting yeah. getting paid. Look us up on Patreon. Actually, start us a Patreon page because we haven't got one. <laughs> start us one. I, I will. I will say the uh, the voice casting is even better than The Simpsons. I feel in this one. It, it, look, it's it's an amazing voice cast. It's probably not a voice cast that people outside the nerddom know, but Billy West is well well known in the in the voiceover community as being pretty much top of the tree in terms of you know if you're going to get someone to be in your show, Billy West is is one of them. He does the voice of Philip J. Fry. He also plays Philip's long 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 time what is it he's it's his nephew isn't it his nephew yeah nephew so, so great 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 nephew a thousand yeah. years into the future yeah um who's an old man uh professor farnsworth who oh, owns- i think I, I think he's much older than old man they they routinely talk about him being you know hundreds of years old yeah he's he's certainly edging you know he's certainly at the end of his his uh his hmm. uh, career rather than the start of it there are a host of characters. It really is an ensemble cast. Um, and look, this pilot episode does a great intro into into each character. Probably fairly clearly gives us a, a good articulation of what the character's about. Um, is it, particularly in the in the early, those really that's the, the key clue. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that this show does a fantastic job of introducing its cast. That the entire first episode is basically an extended introduction to, to uh, I suppose, a couple of the key characters: um, Fry, Leela, who uh, it, it quickly becomes um, one of the the main characters uh, in in the pilot episode, uh, and will then carry on into the show. Uh, and Fry's uh, friend Bender, who is a robot who he randomly picks up through the episode, you know, while he's waiting in line for what he thinks is a phone booth. Um, <laughs> The interactions that Fry has with those characters are, are really interesting, and I, I really enjoyed. Um, I really enjoyed the pacing of the episode. Every couple of minutes, there's a, there's a small gag that keeps you interested, keeps you entertained, um, but they they sort of hit you and you and, and they quickly come and go, and to be replaced by the next one. But they're not sort of being slammed by them one after the other. But I just want to go back to the intro very very quickly. I mean, I've never really seen a show go from get, starting off so simplicity with the, with the with the image of the spacecraft and whatnot and then getting a story of, of Fry's life in about a minute and a half and then they're straight into the future in about two and a half minutes flat and it, it shows everything you possibly need to know about Fry literally everything you need to know in a minute is explained so quickly and then they're straight into the future and straight into the into the episode yeah that's right because I, I was actually watching that myself and I was thinking very similarly because Everything you see of Fry in that you know, 90 seconds or so of him um, in, in 1999 shows how terrible, what a terrible time he's having. You know, he's got a, a job that he doesn't really like. He's losing in a video game and some kid tells him he sucks. Uh, and he winds up getting pranked to deliver pizza to an empty, what he thinks is an empty building, empty room um, where the cryogenic devices are. And you just see him having a, a terrible time. He uses his girlfriend, I think, having an affair. <laughs> he finds out about that. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, that's that's yeah. obvious. You have to give him the setup that he doesn't mind being in the future. So you can't make him 
long for his old life. You know, you, you have to make him out to be a p- pathetic loser who doesn't mind. Otherwise, it's a horror story and not a funny cartoon, right? So that's that's no, the way you set that up is yeah, to make but it's, him a loser. It's, it's just perfect. I, I don't think in, – in like I reckon if you timed it, I reckon it's two minutes in the past. Or it's, in yeah, the it's an incredible piece day. of storytelling. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yep, and, and, and you're right, Shannon, because they do make the point that Fry loves it because as soon as he comes out of cryogenic storage, he realises what happens and he goes, woohoo, you know, really excited to be a thousand years in the future. I will say, I, I, I love Matt Groening's style. I, this, Futurama is one of those shows that I think I know back and forward more than most. I've listened to every audio commentary. I've seen all the art stills and all the behind-the-scenes stuff religiously. Uh, so what is, is fascinating is I've read the original script with, with hand-notated changes. And Matt Groening is good at designing characters and a world. I don't know that he's great at the gags. Hmm. In his original script... He had Fry seeing the uh, the world and saying, "Oh my God, a thousand years!" And that's that's accurate. That's not a joke. I don't know if yeah, he understands that it's a comedy. And David X Cohen, the co-creator, has crossed that out and written, "Oh my God, a million years," <laughs> which is a, which is a joke and very funny. And it shows in a in a fairly simplistic way how dumb Fry is. Um, <laughs> and and that is is a genuine gag. So I, I don't think Matt Groening's skill is is the is the gag writing. I think it's the world building, which he does really well here and i think the the first time fry is on at ground level and looking up and seeing the way that the 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 society has changed is kind of discombobulating for him and also kind of takes the audience on that view as well it's really Hmm. there's it's it's sensory overload in the stuff everything's happening there's people everywhere everything's looking different uh it's a great way of of introducing him and really to the audience and you're in that setting in like three minutes yeah, you get introduced really quickly into the into the world, and and it's a great story device getting Leela to chase him through the world that he's in. I mean, and you get you get shown the the floating heads, the um, the spaceships. You get basically get the whole world while he's running through it, and then he ends up in old New York. So not only do you see that they're in the future, but they've also built on top of where he originally used to live. So I mean, it's a bit ridiculous that a whole world gets flattened except one building that he's in. But yeah. hey, it's a comedy, a cartoon. Lucky he survived, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And powered to get cut off, yeah. <laughs> and, and the other thing that's, that strikes me as, as, as absolutely brilliant is that they've, they've figured out a way uh, in this setting to bring guest stars on to play themselves in perpetuity. You know, so, so you've got, you've got a, a museum full of the heads of celebrities from now mm-hmm. in, in, that, in that. So you can just forever have someone live on in their universe in, as a head in a jar, and that yep. means you can have unlimited voice actors and characters come through. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And when he's in the museum, I had so much fun. Look, when they're in the the, the hall of the, the the talking heads and they're running through the, the the aisles and things, I was keeping an eye for all these different people, and I was going, "Oh, I recognise that one. Oh, I recognise that one." And uh, and that was a lot of fun. Of course, you see Matt Groening's head sort of wind, wind its way into a shot somewhere, but you also see you know big characters. Uh, you know, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, Richard Nixon appears and makes his first appearance in in the show, and uh, he actually makes a couple of recurring appearances through the. Um, through the pilot because he quickly becomes responsible for trying to track down um, Fry and Leela and the guys who have sort of uh, uh, done a runner from their responsibilities. And, and maybe we should actually set the scene for that a little bit because we haven't really explained that. So the episode um, launches with, with Fry um, uh, coming into the future and he meets Leela, who is actually assigned the job of um, making giving him a job in the future. They're, everyone is assigned mandatory chips and they have to you know go do what they've got to do that's that's their job 
And he look, he's assigned to be a delivery boy, which he was uh, a thousand years ago, and he doesn't want that job. So he effectively just takes off uh, and runs away from from being a a career chip, which is mm. effectively assigns you your career for life. Yeah, uh, that's which, right. Which allows that that chase through New York. That's New right. New York. And- and he actually runs into Bender, who is so f- sick to death, literally, of the job that he's doing, um, which is bending things, that he's actually wanting to kill himself. And that's how Fry winds up mistaking a, a, tele- a suicide booth, what it a- is what it actually is, for a telephone booth. Which is probably the best gag of the whole, oh, the whole so pilot, good. is, is the, yeah. he walks into what he thinks is a telephone booth. It's actually a suicide booth, mm. which is a, apparently just on every corner. Um, and, <laughs> and people are and, lining up. And they're lining up. And he, Since uh, 2008. <laughs> He, uh, he, he chooses a by accident, slow and painful, which is a setting I don't think anyone would actually choose. Uh, and my favorite gag is the sight gag, which is there's a lot of like blades and chainsaws and stuff that all fall out and he manages to avoid it. And then there's a knife that just comes <laughs> and slowly rotates as like the, the last little jab. It just yeah. kills me uh, every time. I, I love the, the voiceover at the end. You are now dead. Thank yeah. you for choosing Stay Dead Suicide Booths or whatever the company is. Um, <laughs> It's a great visual gag, mm. and it's it, it really is. I mean, if you think about it, really does force you to think about well, what would a thousand years in the future be like. You know, if you were in the nineteen hundreds traveling to now, um, how would that be for that that traveler? It's very similar moving forward. I do love how it's it's still basically our reality. It's not it's not really 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 far in the future. Like it, it's advanced. Like don't get me wrong, it's ridiculously advanced. There's flying cars and there's astronauts and there's aliens, but it still kind of looks like a normal yeah city. yeah and that's right and because normal things happen you know fry jumps on the crosstown express which is like a, a tube system where individuals get transported around the place so instead of taking trains or whatever and he's screaming and hollering as he's going through the the tubes and uh you know doesn't understand how to get off the thing properly so winds up slamming into a into a wall and you just see some new yorker walking past sort of sneering and go oh tourists, tourists. And keep moving and that yeah. that happens now having been to new york Trying to work out the subway—that's what happens. Um, they immediately know you're a tourist. It's uh, it, it. I mean, you think about it now. You, you can visit buildings that were still standing in the 1900s. So, you know, cities do get rebuilt and built, but they don't fundamentally change. The, that street is probably still that street. You know, a thousand years from now. So, it's you know, it, it's it's a fascinating look at mm. how that all that all would work in theory. You're exactly right, and that's a great transition, I suppose, to, to I suppose the subtext of this episode because while and I think Jake sort of picked up on it really well, you know, while it's set in the future and it's a it's a comedy and whatnot, it actually kind of pulls pulls you into you know looking at our modern world and examining the real world um, through through a specific lens and the whole subplot of of this episode, which is you know Fry being made to be a delivery boy and he decides he doesn't want to do that no I want to do something different I've got a second chance that no one else ever gets I'm the luckiest guy here I'm not going to be a delivery boy again and he spends the whole episode running away and then Leela ends up who's assigned the job of chasing him down ends up siding with him saying you're right I don't want to be this job I want to do something different and uh, that's actually a a crime um, where they're from but so the whole episode is all about the subtext is all about you know individual choice versus you know you got to do what you got to do really is at its heart it's it's he does have a different a chance to do something that, that none of us get to do, which is effectively leave your old life behind. And not, mm-hmm. not only that, he's left everything behind. Everyone he's ever known has died a very, very long time ago. So he's, he's entirely in the future and trying to learn things, but understanding that he can kind of do anything. And, and the, the, the end of the episode is effectively him working out that he's now going to be a delivery boy. 
But that delivery boy now is actually in a spaceship flying to different planets for his his great 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 nephew, um, and he's happy about that because that is it is a genuine different uh, life well, you, than what you're, he has. You're flying with a one-eyed alien and a robot, you know, yeah. a talking robot who is is probably one of the best characters ever written. I think. Oh, um, I mean, we, I mean, we get a very small window to spend time with Bender, but you kind of get the essence of the character very, very quickly. I think he grows further on, but the show is incredibly, incredibly smart. I think even even early on, it's just so well written. There's a few things, I'm not going to give away in case people do want to watch it down the line, but in the very first scene where he falls back into the cryogenic uh, freezer, there's, there's stuff that happens in season three that they're already planned for and already animated into the scene which is just incredible. I mean, their writers are so smart that he said, you know, it's free on Tuesdays when he wants to run into the museum. And they actually worked out it is going to be a Tuesday on that date in 2019. Oh, do they really? Oh. Yeah, that's, how, that's how smart and how, how forward thinking, I think. One, one of the creators of Futurama, um, David X. Cohen, is a mathematician um, and holds a PhD. So there's a lot of mathematical jokes that slip in here. There's They created their own language and you see that in the in the DVD menu, you see that um, on signs, you see it um, with a cipher effectively interchanging with with English, so that people could work it out. And then there's a second language later on when people would work that one out. So there is a lot of stuff to to unravel here, and a lot of background jokes to to work your way through. Um, mm. It is it is really really smart, but it's also on its surface level, it's The Simpsons. Like it's very accessible for people. You don't have to be a genius to watch this stuff. In fact. Fry is probably one of the dumbest characters we've ever seen on TV. Um, yeah, that's right. And and he also he likes to make um, he makes a lot of pop culture references. So he talks. He, one of the constant gags through the episode is he sees these sliding doors and he goes, "Oh, just like Star Trek." And then the doors promptly slam on him. And I think just about every door he goes through that's of, of that particular variety ends up slamming on him either sideways or top down. You know, uh, very funny. Yeah, it's it's a lot of a lot of physical comedy and a lot of a lot of you know, rapid jokes. I actually think this, this episode sacrificed some of the humor, humor for some of the, the world building. Yeah. I don't think this is as funny as I remember this episode to be. I don't know that it's quite the laugh, right? I think, you know, the, and we, you know, we, we won't do this because we don't talk about future episodes. Um, but it, it builds on that. Once the, the world building's done and you, are, you accept the world that you're in, the jokes just come thick and fast from there. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't. It's not quite as laugh riotous as I remember it to be, but it's it's still got gags. It's still funny. Um, but the smart thing they did was they actually really made you focus on the three main characters and Farnsworth a little bit, but mm-hmm. focus really on those three. The next episode then builds on the rest of the Planet Express crew, yeah. um, so that you don't have to worry about well who was Amy and who's Hermes, and you really just have to focus on Fry, Leah, and Bender. Yep, and I really liked what they did with the episode where um, you know Fry is finding all these new things that are exciting in the future. Now, he, uh, Bender is a robot, and he says, "I've always wanted a robot for a best friend," and that's why uh, Bender doesn't kill himself and, and goes off following Fry. Um, and then they meet the professor, who's more interested in showing them the different lengths of why he's collected rather than the, the intergalactic spaceship um, that he built as a side business to sort of fund his research. It's, it's like a hobby for him. Well, um, I guess it'd be, in, in that time, it'd be it'd be just whatever now. Like they've, they've had it for so long. It's it's like us and cars. Yeah, I guess someone from the 1900s going, what's this yeah. big shiny thing that transports five people at once? Yes, um, yes. And it'd be the exact same thing. 
And, and there's this phenomenal joke where they're trying to escape from Richard Nixon and all the police who are trying to chase them down, and they run into the spaceship, and Fry says, don't worry, I'll get us out of here, and sits down and starts pushing buttons on, on the um, on the control panel, and a little coffee cup drops down and starts pouring a coffee, because obviously that's what he's interacting with. And when you think about it, you know, if you took a person from a 1,000 years ago and stuck him into a modern modern society, modern office, or, or modern factory or whatever, they'd be exactly the same. They, you know, they, oh, I'll take care of this. I'll run over and start pushing at some control console of the machinery that they're trying to operate, and it'll be a bloody coffee machine. Nothing happens. So that joke is actually very relatable and and completely appropriate for someone who's been transported a thousand years in the future. Yeah, society is completely different to what you expected, um, and uh, and that's where all the humor comes from. Fries are fish out of water, and the interactions that they have are endless. And I think, you know, the Simpsons. You know, you can argue to your blue in the face, but I think the Simpsons has absolutely run its course in terms of it's gone for so long. The jokes. They've effectively just transported a bunch of those sort of stereotype characters into a 3,000 years in the future, and that opens your jokes up to, to something that's, that's uh, hmm. the, you know, endless in terms of you can visit any planet I, and you can do anything. I do think that the, the characters are a bit, a bit different. I mean, I think, I think what really gives it a fresh coat of paint really is, is the voice acting. I know, I know we talked about Billy West, but you've, you've also got, you've got so many big talents here. You've got, you know, John DiMaggio as is your bender. Katie uh, Sagal, who friend, is one friend of, of the, friend of the show, show, Katie. <laughs> I just Actually, hear her voice and it just makes me happy. It just makes me takes me to a happy place. It, it does. It does. But I, I think we just need to touch on that for a second because you're exactly right, Shannon. I think just about every episode we've done has featured a show that has Katie Sagal. So I don't know what the hell is going on. Are we like subcom- – like we're not doing this on purpose. We <laughs> need to make sure – I didn't well, realize when she started talking. I'm like, oh, wait a second. Well, so, so we're now going to have to rename this the Katie Siegel Show. So, different shade, Katie. If you're listening, Katie, we're a big fan. Apparently, <laughs> we didn't we didn't quite realize it, but that's how good your work is. It's operating at this subliminal level. Yeah, she she's very good, um, and yeah. she really does. She's she's a really strong character. I, I love yes. that about Leela. She doesn't take any crap at all. She is absolutely a very, very strong female character. And she, she's the smart one compared to Bender and Fry, who are idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so, yeah, it's great to have a, a female lead. She's an alien. Um, she has one eye. And um, that becomes a sort of central focus of the show, her origin story as well, where that came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, she's a, she's a great character and um, finally a, you know, a, a strong female character. I don't think The Simpsons can, can argue it has strong female characters at its heart. I think it would try and argue Lisa, but she's she's pretty marginalised through most mm. of that that series. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of other animations that have strong female characters. And I know we're going to talk about Rick and Morty, uh, you know, a bit later in this episode, and, and maybe that's worth contrasting um, the female characters in Rick and Morty with you know someone like Leela. I think that's a that's an interesting question to ask. But uh, look, I, I'm I'm a massive fan. I, I would strongly argue that these the first four seasons of Futurama are as good as anything The Simpsons has done. Well, I was going to say I don't really talk about future future seasons. We're not really mm. giving that away. But I think you take your four best seasons of Futurama, take it up against your f- best four seasons of Simpsons. And I don't think it's a comparison, honestly, in my opinion. Oh, hang on, I, just I think, slow down, slow down. That's that's, that's, that's <laughs> And I, I, yeah, let's not get into this yeah, episode because we, sh- yeah, we should have the, the future armor versus Simpsons debate probably maybe, another maybe day. Yeah. But I, I will say, I mean, it, going back to the voice cast, I mean, it actually is Leonard Nimoy doing the voice. Oh. It, it is Dick Clark doing the voice. Yes. Um, it, it, they've obviously called in all the favors from, from mm. past times on Simpsons where they've appeared on Simpsons and it's gone, come and do 30 seconds of lot reading. And it makes a big, big difference. Yep. And, and boys, can we just have a quick moment of uh, recognition for Leonard Nimoy? When I heard his voice um, come out of the out of the TV, my heart twanged a little bit. Yeah, it, it, it hurt. 
Leonard Nimoy and Dick Clark, I think, are no longer with yeah, us. Dick Clark, yes. Mm. So, yeah, but, um, you know, wouldn't you if you were, hey, it's the guy from The Simpsons at the peak of its power doing a new TV show, I think they'd be lining up to, to get on board. Um, <gasps> but, you know, it's, you're going to have a great time with the show. I just don't think there's any question this show uh, moves along at a, at a rocket speed in terms of setting it up. In terms of a pilot, it could, it could stand to be a little bit funnier. But in terms of a setup, it's it's as good as any pilot I've seen in terms of setting up the world and quite a complex world too. I mean, it's not it's not just hey, there's a family and they live together. That's that's bloody easy. Like this is a mm. really complex set of circumstances to to lead to where you're at, mm. and they do it really easily. But yeah. I, will, I will say it shows how good it is because I mean, this episode was the highest rated episode of any Fox Broadcasting Company production. So that's, that's how, that shows how good it is. Really? Well, it, 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 it shows the hype of The Simpsons, really, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, it shows it's the new the guy from Simpsons making another show set in the future. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that 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 is is the seller. I'm, I'm just not sure that the weight of, of people like that anymore ha- is around. Like, I don't think if you said, you know, the new George R.R. R. Martin book's going to come out or the new series from George R.R. R. Martin, People are going to go run to to see the new the new Game of Thrones. Even not after like, season eight, they won't. Not after season eight, but <laughs> even even when when he did it again, Matt Groening did it again with um, disenchanted. Uh, disenchanted. Nobody yeah. watched that, no. and it's just, I don't think you have that gravitas anymore. It, it's, from it's also not very good. That's why. <laughs> no, no, I watched it, and it was kind of like I was kind of hoping for more Futurama type, like another vibe like that, and it just wasn't anything like. But let's not. We're getting. We're now getting off topic, and we're talking about oh, a completely different show. Let's just keep talking about this. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. So let's 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 move on to the second show. Um, I'm very interested to talk, talk about this show, particularly this pilot, Jake. For anyone living under a rock. Anyone living under a rock, Rick and Morty in a simplest form is a is a genius scientist named Rick and his grandson Morty basically going on uh, sci-fi adventures. You get basically you get introduced to the family. So basically it's it's his daughter, Beth, her husband is Jerry, and Summer is their daughter. And basically it's just a small family, but it's basically Rick and Morty going on adventures. Yeah, and I think that's a fairly decent summary uh, of of what I, from what I could understand, like it's based. The plot doesn't really matter. It's just Rick and Morty doing weird shit. Now it's, it's, sci-fi, it's sci-fi adventure, so it's Rick's a genius, so he can basically create anything no, out of anything. A genius. I'm pretty sure space travel yeah, includes a genius. genius yeah. He's a genius. Uh, he he, he knocks together he knocks together a flying saucer out of uh, parts from their garage. So I'd say he's a genius. Now I'm getting from the tone that that Christian has a very different idea of. Of what this is compared, he to, thinks well, not, there is dissent afoot. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like there's some angry, angry letters coming. At <laughs> I'm already talking. I'm talking mine. <laughs> no, because God what? knows you don't want to upset the Rick and Morty fandom. You, okay. you really don't. Oh, now, God. I, I will. I will say I watched this um, for the first time. I wasn't as keen on it as Shannon had made it out to be. Uh, and I and I will say I will say now. To, to preface this, Rick and Morty is the animated is the is animated show from Dan Harmon. Now Dan Harmon created Community, and uh, and Community has a rabid following of which Jake and I are both firmly in that view. So it was on that on the basis of that that I watched the first episode, and I will say up front, I hated the first episode with a passion when I first saw it. I thought I cannot deal with this, 
and it was only after giving it another go and watching a block of episodes that I was able to recommend it. But I hated it to start with. And I think that's why that's what Jake would have had the same reaction. Yeah. Yeah, but re rewatching the first pilot, you can see the the building blocks of how good this is going to be. I think there, there's some, there's some things I, I don't want to talk about what's going to happen in the future and, and my thoughts on it, but the building blocks are there from the very first episode, and I think they they fumbled the delivery a little bit with excessive. They were too excessive with the way Rick was with his burping and drooling. I think that was way too too much. And I think that they, they really tried to hone down on how gross and how different this is from other animated shows. And I think they fumbled a little bit, but I, I still see, think I still see the building blocks of a great show in this. Mm. Like, do you want to start maybe talking about the cold open that the, 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 that the show does? Because yep. the plot of that is basically Rick wait, rough, shakes Morty awake and drags him out of bed, um, telling them that they've got to, he's got to destroy the world. He's basically going to save Rick, uh, save drunk. Morty. He's drunk, yeah. Rolling drunk, dropping cans of beer everywhere, you know, drooling, burping, uh, clearly an alcoholic, uh, and tells Morty he's going to destroy the world. Then asks Morty what girl he he's fond of because he's going to save them both to do like some kind of Adam and Eve type deal. And uh, then he has to go into a, a bit of a detail about how he's not going to try and steal this underage girl from his grandson, and he promises they're going to be able to be you know be, be Adam and Eve. And then his grandson. Um, Paul Morty eventually manages to convince him to not destroy the world with some kind of massive bomb. Yeah. And you see Rick open the car door or the spaceship door and a million and one beer cans come falling out. Yep. Yeah. And, and this is, this is the point. And I think what, what is hilarious is that the fandom has missed this. And I, anyone that's a big fan of Rick and Morty, I'll just, I'll just set the scene right now. Rick is a terrible person and you are not <laughs> supposed to like Rick. No. Rick is the bad character. He, he, he is a self-destructive, horrendous character right that's that is rick's deal and every episode proves how bad rick is um mm. rick is horrendous to his to his nephew and his niece he is horrendous to his daughter and horrendous to their to his to morty's father jerry he he systematically remove ruins everyone's life around him and i think that's why the genius of that cold opening is that you immediately realize that rick while Rick, Rick's affectations are funny and humorous, you are not supposed to be sympathetic to Rick at all. He drink, he drink, drink flies. You know, yeah, drink he's going flies. to blow up the world, and if it's only because of his grandson that he doesn't, who kind of talks him out of it. Even though we kind of it, it closes with the neutrino bomb already being active anyway, so Morty, mm. Morty does something. You get the feeling that Morty kind of deals with this all the time. So Morty's probably disarmed millions of neutrino bombs, so he's not really that worried about it. But I mean, I, I think you get the instant Back to the Future vibes instantly. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to go on yeah. an adventure. Morty, come with me. We're going on an adventure. Yeah, um, which, is, which is how it started. The creator Justin yeah. Roiland had started making Rick. Uh, uh, Doc and Marty shorts and yep. effectively taking place. And it was just Doc being a, a crazy wild man and Marty just kind of going, oh, geez, like, like Morty does. So that's, that's effectively where it came from and it's been built around that. Yeah, but yeah that's you right. Take, you, take it. You, you take that and, you, and you, you, you shrink it down into the weird relationship that those two have. I mean, the, no one can explain the relationship between uh, Doc and Marty. Um, so this is a, a, a more, I don't know, better version of... <laughs> A socially acceptable version yeah, of an yeah, old man and a young yeah. child. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and they really try and push the buttons with this show too. Like there's in, in immeasurable, immeasurable numbers of suggestions of inappropriate behaviour. You know, like um, 
Rick telling Morty he's not going to crack onto Jessica, the young girl who Rick's obviously uh, fond of. Um, they also have a scene where where poor Morty is actually sort of daydreaming or half asleep in, in class because Rick's kept him up all night and he's actually groping his teacher and his teacher's actually enjoying it and, and getting gratification from that, <laughs> yeah, which, yeah. Uh, which was not great. <laughs> Ten, ten more minutes and I'm going to be really mad, I think, is the line that comes out of this. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it is, it's it's wildly inappropriate. It's it's effectively, it's an adult cartoon. I think mm. it's definitely in the in the realm of, uh, of, of Ren and Stimpy, Beavis and Butthead. But we are seeing more adult cartoon content, shows like Big Mouth. Netflix is doing, and, and Adult Swim and those guys are doing adult humour mm. and adult situations. And, and this is what Rick and Morty's falling into. Yeah, but this is my question. Like, it's an adult show and it's got adult themes. You know, there's a lot of different things that happen in there that are very t- aimed towards adults. Um, just to give you, a, a, we've already talked about some of them, but the episode also involves Rick having Morty um, smuggle these weird plant seed things up his anus through yeah, international. Only, be, only because Rick's anus is so stretched from doing the same thing that he, <laughs> that he they would just fall out. So he has to get Morty to do it. Yep, yep. So it's, it's using his adult themes. Uh, but it's revol- it involves characters who are young deliberately as a way, I think, to, to push buttons by, you know, casually referring to a really abusive and horrible things in the context of, of these young people. But it shows how, how just how awful person that Rick is. He only yes. cares about what Rick wants. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he doesn't care about his, his family, doesn't care about Morty. To a, to a pretty fine degree, he freezes people and lets them die. I mean, he just he just does not care as long as he get what he wants. Even at the end of the, end of the episode, he was saying, "Well, now we have to go back and do it again because you've wasted them." Yeah. Um, so you've got to, we've got yeah. to go back and do it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they just they just barely escaped away by the skin of their teeth, and now he's got to go do it again. Yeah, that's right. And 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 the whole the whole thing is Rick is a raging narcissist. Mm. Uh, yeah. Completely one hundred percent narcissistic, and he will. Without a doubt, like without any hesitation, lie to his daughter, lie to his his his, his family to get to get what he wants and um, to get ahead with his research, you know, whatever the fuck that is. Yeah, and the thing about Rick is we we actually don't ever see an end game from Rick. Is 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 Rick? Rick just does what Rick does, and he manipulates everyone around him, and he has absolutely no no feelings, no empathy for for anyone. No. What- what about where he lies to Morty, like they're being chased by security guards when they're trying to smuggle these seeds through <laughs> customs, which is obviously something you're not supposed to do. And he tells he tells Rick uh, tells Morty, "It's okay, just shoot them. They're robots. They don't feel it." And and it cuts to a scene of Morty shooting them, and then you see them falling over and bleeding and dying, and one one sort of cradling one's head. It's going to be okay, you know. And, it's it's okay. They're bureaucrats. They're practically robots. Them. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. they're bureaucrats. I don't respect them. And that's <laughs> yeah. one of Rick, Rick's subtexts. Like, he doesn't give a shit about anyone's future. He's actually pulling Morty out of school. And then he has a whole spiel about education being uh, not the place where you send smart people. It's a waste of time. It's destroying everyone. It's, it's destroying their individualism. Yeah. And and Rick clearly is, is against any kind of bureaucracy or any government agency at mm. all. Um, and that's really cleverly set aside in this episode. It really sets the scene for many, many other episodes after. But Rick... Rick hates authority of any kind, mm-hmm. and so and so his only authority is is in and of himself, um, and yeah. and that's that's clear. And that is, as a pilot episode, as a standalone episode, those themes are loud and clear through this whole as a whole setup. Yeah, I was getting from Rick these really weird narcissistic, crazy. Um, 
Shannon, you might be familiar with this term, sovereign citizen type vibes. Mm. If you're familiar oh, with yeah. that, oh, that I'm very familiar, unfortunately. I'll, I'll be, yeah. But yeah, and he, he is he is an absolute renegade in and of himself. And you know, in terms of a pilot episode, I think Jake is absolutely right. The reason it turned me off is I'm I'm not a massive fan of like bodily humor comedy. It doesn't do anything for me at all. So having Rick Drool and Burp constantly when he's talking is enough to put me off. To just completely block out what he's saying and and to move on. Now, thankfully, in later episodes, it tones that down. But on the strength of this ep- this episode only, there's enough of that type of behaviour that I, I I would switch off. And I, this is one of my favourite shows of all time. And I, I love Rick and Morty. Now, I, I will say, I w- w- there needs to be a footnote here because there is a rabid and quite horrible toxic culture that's grown out of this and it's to me it's a misunderstanding of this show completely the, the idea is that you are supposed to know this about rick and you are supposed to care that rick is this bad and and that is the point no one should be hero worshiping rick he is a bad bad person and everything he does is is at the destruction destruction of others and for some reason that has translated to people wanting to punch each other in a mcdonald's car park for a limited edition source I don't understand how it got to that point, but that's the, that's where the culture, and I think that's turns people off immediately to a show that is really really smart at its base level. To me, it's the smartest show on TV in terms of its high 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 concept. It's a really high concept, and when you've watched enough of it, the sci-fi concepts that you see in this are higher than just about any other sci-fi show I've seen. Yeah, this this episode takes place mainly on Earth, on Earth and, a, and a future planet that you don't see much high concept. It's just a future world somewhere with weird aliens. And I think they, they tried to set the tone of this is what it's going to be like of, of interesting planets and different, interesting places. Honestly, that first planet that we saw wasn't interesting. They had one, they had two aliens that was, that were scary looking and that chased him. And then they were kind of just away from that. And then it was just a weird planet with weird seeds and then weird customs. And I think they didn't really explain the high concept and what it's going to be uh, in this episode alone. The, the, my, problem, my problem is that, is that they, they focus so hard on the gross-out humour, like you said, Shan, they, they don't, they, you can't really listen to what Rick's saying. But I do think they do ver- a very good job of explaining the other characters. Oh, they, they, explain, they show a very brief moment of summer because that's all you're really going to get of summer, a really brief little snippet. She's she's by far the worst articulated character, yeah. and I think that what happens with her is her character changes substantially between this pilot and the next couple of episodes. Is she ten, is just like an annoyed, cynical teenager, and that gets wound right back in future episodes. But, but I, I, in this, I she's not very the, good. But I think the two the, the two parents are really quite what they're going to be. Like you, you don't you don't you know Beth and. Um, Jerry, I kind of what you get. You kind of get Jer- Jerry gets turned up to eleven, I think. But I, I think that what they what they did, they focused again. They 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 honed in on the two main characters of Rick and Morty, and they kind of give a very brief description of the other two, other three. And that's basically what you're going to get for Rick and Morty. You're going to get weird, crazy aliens and antics, and you're going to get you know the, the family story in the background. Yeah, and is the appeal of the show that that crazy juxtaposition between the crazy sci-fi adventures and then the ordinary mundane life of just this family living in the suburbs? You know, mum's a vet, dad does you know, whatever, and the, the sister goes to school. Like, is that what it is? I, I think I think the problem the problem is there's there's two two fans, there's two groups of fans. There's there's a bunch of fans who are just like 
Rick's really cool and he said stuff that I wish I could say, right? And then there's the other group that's like, wow, this is really high concepts and there's a lot of stuff going on and there's a lot of subtext and there's a lot of crossing of, of ideas that weave throughout the whole seasons. So I think that that's where it gets lost is the, the, that tosca, to, the toxic masculinity that is really rampant in Rick appeals to a certain group. It's why all those, type, those types of people have like pit bulls. It's, it's <laughs> like if you could pick a pit bull owner, they, they have a look. Those people are the people who watch Rick and Morty because Rick's super cool, right? So, so it's like some kind of signaling thing that they're sort of signaling that they empathize with Rick and they, they see themselves in, in Rick in some way. Is that what you're saying? I think they want to be Rick. I don't give a shit about anyone else. They just want to basically do what they want, say what they want, and get away with what they want. Right. And be, su- and be the smartest guy in the room constantly and to tell people that you're the smartest person in the room. And, I mean, you know, Rick throughout the show, Rick is the smartest person in just about in every galaxy. situation the in the galaxy. He is that smartest person. But he's the smartest person. He's, he's effectively Sheldon with a ray gun, right? He, he is the smartest person with zero empathy and understanding of how people actually work and fit together. He, he has horrible weak points about him, and, and he shows throughout the series that he is incapable of change, right? So... But, and I think that's demonstrated really well in this. I think if you were walking away, you go, shit, that character's really bad. He's a bad, bad dude. And I don't know. I, like, the fact that he has attached himself to, to Morty is kind of odd. Like, yeah. and that, to me, is enough. It's just like, well, what's, why? If he's, if he's that way inclined, what's the relationship with Morty about? Why do and you I think we it? see that as we, as we progress. But there's enough in there to go, well... What's he attached himself to his grandson for? Because he could be just going and doing off. He's a loner, right? He wants to go and do his own stuff. Yeah, it's a good question. But but I guess that's, that's is that the question that brings you back to wanting to watch the next episode? I mean, the, the point of a pilot is to obviously to watch the next episode. So the, these questions that they're offering, is the, it the a name? Big the call? name got me back. To be honest, Dan Harmon's name got me back because if it wasn't for Dan Harmon, I, this show probably would have just. To me, faded in time because of because of those affectations of Rick. I just couldn't get past it. But, yeah, but but I'm still kind of I'm not quite understanding this the whole high concept that that you were talking about before. Like we talked about that we talked about these you know crazy psycho fans who you know are wanting to emulate Rick and believe Rick is all all, all good. Yeah, we agree that, that that's terrible and they're misinterpreting the whole thing. But what's the actual high concept? Like I don't I don't see it. Oh, uh, it's it's it's. There's a glimpse of it in this, and it's it's clearly that it can take place in any planet, any time frame. It's 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 parallel universes. It's um it's the playing of 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 story the story arc itself. Like time gets played with, space gets played with, all of those things get get played within that in that body. But there's also like an over the, the overarching arc is really about self destruction and about. Um, manipulation of of people that you love and care about, and at its heart, it's it's actually demonstrating that that how self destructive someone can actually be, and and still have the support of those that love them and care for them. That's that's kind of like like you see in this in this episode, Beth, Rick's daughter, completely and utterly kind of worshiping the ground he walks on, even though he has left her to grow up without him effectively. Turns up in her in her life, re, returns up, and she doesn't want to upset him. She she just wants to make him happy, and so he has this kind of devoted family behind him, and yet he is 
so not deserving of that of that love and care. Well, he, he craps on education and uh, and basically how unimportant it is, and then she he gets a smile by saying how good the eggs were. And I wish yeah. your mum was here to say that. It's just constant manipulation of his whole family around him. And and Rick's, I mean, we've said that many times, but Rick's a horrible person, but you don't see him do or help anyone in any situation other than telling Morty to run. Unless that, it, unless it, so, it, so, it, it solves his own purpose. Yeah, it, and it's even then, he, like, yeah. I mean, let's writhe in pain at the bottom of a mountain where he doesn't activate his boots or didn't tell him early on the boots need to be turned on. He just let him fall to... Yeah, I... I just don't see it, man. Like, all I saw was this alcoholic dude doing abusive shit with his relatives and nothing, no no sort of payoff at the end where he gets his comeuppance or learns anything or moves on. Like, I just I just see only bad stuff. I don't see any of this redeeming this redeeming qualities that you're talking about. And, and, and Rick has no redeeming qualities at but all. That's right. Like, and, yeah, and, 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 and Rick, Rick is, is the funniest character. He, he has the best lines. He, he's able to say effectively what he wants. So a lot of his humour comes from being able to say and do whatever the hell he likes. It, it's, it's the characters around him and how they deal with him and how they have to kind of massage their life around this really destructive force. To, to me, the, the pain, and it's alluded to later on, but the pain that Rick has in his life somewhere has caused him to be like this. And 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 it's it's kind of unraveling the package that is Rick in in a very slow moving way. I mean, you know, history is full of of bad people that we that we attach ourselves to. No one in the Sopranos has any real redeeming qualities as a person, really. I mean, it's why Tony in the first episode is nice to ducks, because you you kind of need to give him something in order to make him relatable. I don't think Rick and Morty strives to be relatable as a as a concept. I don't think anyone looks at it and goes, oh, yeah, well, I'm totally Morty because my grandfather shits on me all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that. I think it's, to me, it's it's the, it, it's, sci-fi gets me in straight away. So that the, the, the high concept stuff of the, the actual sci-fi machinations and how time works and how time can be broken and what happens there, the fact that Rick's got a portal gun can jump anywhere is kind of the, the the driving plot force that that drives us through it, but I'm not looking at the characters going, "Gee, I'm Morty," or "Gee, I'm Rick," or anyone else, because I I don't see any characters of any re- re- redeeming qualities of anything that I I stand for in those characters. Well, I, I see with like Morty and, and and Rick's family generally, they're they're victims uh, of of this malignant narcissist who's you know just casually abusing them. And and the thing I really didn't like about the the, the show is that it just casualizes this abuse. I, I just I didn't like that bit at all. It does in the first episode. I, I will say that the re- the redeeming thing for this is that anything can happen at any time, anywhere, any place um, because of Rick's portal gun, which is a a pretty loose thing to, to have, but he's so so smart that he he's made a portal gun that can travel between dimensions and worlds. I mean, that's pretty that's pretty interesting. I will say again, the voice casting in this is very very good. Um, hmm. Sarah Chalk, Sarah Chalk's in there from from you know from. Oh, well, is it really? Who, who does she play? She's Beth. So she's she's oh, Beth. Right. You've got uh, Chris Parnell uh, is Jerry Smith, who is just one of the best voice actors. He's from Archer. Um, most people probably know him from. He's he's fantastic. Uh, he's also he turned up in Brooklyn Nine Nine. He, he's the guy in Anchorman who who accuses Ron Burgundy of having a poopy mouth. Uh, I think <laughs> he was right. He's I love this And and the, and the show creator Justin Roiland does Rick and Morty, and I, I just the spontane the the spontaneity uh, is that a word spontaneity spontaneity spontaneity. Yeah. 
of, of what Justin Rowland could come up with and what could come out of his mouth, I think keeps mm. keep the show fresh. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the voice acting is incredible, especially the the, the characters of Rick and Morty, and I think that that is um, shown that there's a there's an animation that was done. I don't know if you guys have seen it um, of a, it's basically a transcript of a court case where, you know, it's, they use Rick and Morty's voices. If yeah, you've seen it. Really it. Just, the whole lot. Yeah. It's yeah. It, it's, it's phenomenal, really, really good and really enjoyable. So I think that, you know, I, I think that the voice acting is on point. I think the visual style is very, um, very unique and instantly recognizable. I think if you showed a, a still of Rick and Morty to any person who'd seen Rick and Morty before, they'd understand right away where it is. And I think that's a similarity to Futurama as well and that they've both got their own unique uh, unique styles there yeah and there's you know it, it's not for everyone i think rick and morty it should be it's dated and i i understand i absolutely understand christian's viewpoint it's one of those shows that's hard to recommend to to people too like i i had that visceral reaction straight away of i'm not seeing any redeemable characters i'm not i'm seeing actually seeing a character that repulses me and so, therefore, I'm kind of I'm I'm in this point where I immediately went, well, I don't I don't want to watch that anymore, largely because of the the affectations, but also he's he's a horrible character, um, and it's it is it's watching it's watching abuse in slow motion. Um, mm. and it's I, I think the best way to describe this show, for, if I was going to recommend it to anyone, I think everyone should watch it, but I'm not going to hate you if you don't like it. Yeah, and, and I think oh, thanks, I mean, Jake. <laughs> I think unfortunately, if this didn't come with a weight of a people screaming about people watching it, a and and b it didn't come with this toxic fandom that's 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 evolved. If that all wasn't there, and it was just a quirky show that people were into, I think it would it would be far more mainstream than others. I mean, it's it's consistently in the top ten on Netflix. It's it's available on Netflix. Netflix are getting it kind of as it's being dropped. It's historically had issues in in timing. It's we've had, you know, a break of a year and a half between seasons. So so it, it kind of builds this mythos. And then the Szechuan sauce stuff that happened with Maccas and re, re, that was nuts, absolutely but nuts. But they they drop one episode and then disappear for six months. I mean, it, it's yeah. really quite frustrating as a fan. It's really frustrating. To, to get the one episode, then have to wait a year and a half to see the next one. It sounds kind of abusive. It, it, <laughs> they do treat their audience. I mean, it's it's the way that it's made, but they they are you know, it is it is a it's a machine now, and it's 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 on Adult Swim, and and they've been given the freedom to basically do what they like, and so there's no there's no structure in their story. Essentially, there's no no ceiling, so they can kind of go anywhere and do anything, and so you know that that doesn't always appeal to everyone and and it's one of those shows that that you know if you don't like it um i can understand the reasons why it's also one of those shows that purely on its pilot it's hard to say keep watching it because you do need to give it four five six episodes uh, I, I don't think it's a, i don't think it's a strong pilot i think it's actually quite quite weak of a pilot compared to what what the potential of the show could be and i think that futurama really destroys it in in opening pilots and making you want to watch more because I think Futurama is the, one of the, the most perfect pilots you could possibly think of with including it's words. It's like comparing Bambi and the deer hunter. Like, yeah, okay, well, they're both about deers. But Futurama is built to build on the back of The Simpsons. You know, it's... But, but if you if you took away the mythos of The Simpsons, you've still got a solid pilot. Oh, you've got a 100% solid pilot. But Futurama is sweet by nature. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not aggressive in its in its message. Rick and Morty is is quite an aggressive piece of art in terms of saying, oh, yeah. I, can, 
watch you or don't, effectively. It's, it's, yeah. it's not going to be for everyone. Whereas if you try you can put on and your grandma's going to laugh about something. And, and they, don't, they don't care if you like it or not. I think that's the biggest thing. If you, if you have a problem with it, that's your own bloody problem. And, yeah. they, and they, can even, they, can, they, can, they can take it to another whole other level in future episodes. But if you, if you don't like the, the pilot, they're not going to come in, they're not going to try and please you in the next episode. They're saying, like, well, don't watch it then, is their basically attitude. Yeah, it's, it's this... It's this um... It's this weird libertarian idea, isn't it? That I'll do whatever the hell I want to hell with everyone else. You can't you can't force me to do things and damn any system or damn any rules that expect me to behave differently in a way that is going to inconvenience me in any way. I do think that's that's probably them coming back from community going, well, we were so structured and handcuffed with community and what we could do that once we get a chance to kind of unleash our wings, if you will, they're not going to hold back. Well, they were on, they were on, they were on, network. They were on network television, so they were, they were constrained by budget and by NBC and the constraints of that show. And they were, they were critically well-liked, but they couldn't actually get audience. And so, you know, Rick and Morty may be the challenge to that. It's, to me, it's the culmination of the anti-hero. I, I, I really rally against these people who are like, well, Rick's got no redeeming characters, so therefore I can't watch it. We, we've been following Walter White and Breaking Bad. That guy straight up murders people for his own gain and becomes a horrible person. And we all tuned in. We all watched The Sopranos. We watched Scarface. These are these are anti-heroes and they do really well because they are living out a fantasy that we couldn't possibly do. That's why Grand Theft Auto gets people to play the game is because you can take control of a character who who you would never do in real life. You would never run down pedestrians. It, it's, it's, it's make-believe, but we are, we are attracted to the anti-heroes. Yeah, but I mean, there's a difference between talking about Walter White, who's murdering people involved in the drug game or police or whatever, whatever particular scenario you've got, and then you've got um, you know Rick making casual jokes or jokes being made basically of of a, of a geriatric man, um, you know, behaving inappropriately with a young girl. Well, is is he talking about? I mean, that's I. I, I he's assuring he's assuring Morty that he's not going to do it, but that's the joke. The joke is around sexual assault. Well, not, not sexual assault, but he, he wouldn't. I mean, effectively, in this new world, Adam and Eve, let's not go back to the Bible. Let's not have a, have a, a philosophical mm. discussion with the Bible. But, but, you know, it's, that's Rick's character, and Rick is an awful person. Yeah, and, but that's, the, show, that's and, the joke of the show. The, of, we the can also agree that, but we can also agree that Walter White's a bad character, and Tony Sopranos is a bad guy, and, and, and there's, there's a bunch of characters. That anti-hero, even in the roots of comedy, like you look at The Office, fundamentally, David Brent, and 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 the Steve Carell, you know, they're they're bad, they're bad people that we laugh at. We don't laugh with; we're laughing at them. Yes, that's right. And so and so these antiheroes. This is the culmination. This is kind of giving the audience what they've been asking for: is the ultimate antihero who does not care and has no redeeming qualities whatsoever, other than the fact that he's smart, that he's the intellectual in the room. Like that's mm. that's the only thing that Rick offers, and the only thing Rick cares about is intellect. And yeah. But, but the point I'm making is, in the show, that's a free ride. That's a free pass to do and say whatever you want. And now the, the, the show can make jokes about stuff that's actually really, really horrible, uh, and they can get away with it because it's they just hide behind. Oh, it's an anti-hero, and if you don't like it, piss off. Like, no, it's, it's still shit. You shouldn't be making jokes about. Yeah, but 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 that's where comedies comedies hit its edge constantly by making jokes that are that are in the society's ills. Yeah, so well, that's you, it. I mean, yeah, you're right. It, it, is, it is pushing the edge and it's pushing the boundary in it. and I think it's, it's intentionally trying to be edgy and, and, and do it. And I think that's probably what attracts those really toxic people from, to, from the fringes that, that then rally around and go, this is fantastic, when actually, no, it's, it's a, really, a joke that, you know, is 
I actually think it's beyond the pale, and people shouldn't but be. Again, you're, not meant, it. you're not meant to like Rick. You're meant to hate Rick. You're no, you're not. Him. But but we're, we're talking about how people love this show, and this show is actually just giving a, a vehicle for Rick. But you don't have to love Rick to love the show. I mean, I think you can you can know, you know what Rick is doing is wrong. And again, at the end of the day, it's an animated cartoon that has no real effect on anyone. Yeah, it's, it's not. A, it's not a. You're not witnessing two events. You what, don't happened, see... what happened in the car park with the session one source? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, and that, that's what we're saying is they're talking. Yeah. But, but I think you could put that against an episode of Family Guy and have Family Guy have far, far worse jokes. Absolutely disgusting jokes in Family Guy, and that gets that by a multitude of characters. Peter routinely talks about sexual assault. He routinely shits on his on his kid. Like it's 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 Family Guy, but it's smart. Like Family Guy's lowest common denominator humor. I'm happy to sit down and watch an episode of Family Guy too. But, but let's not forget that there's there's a gag in 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 Family Guy where Quagmire forces himself on Marge from The Simpsons, like. We're talking really horrible base. Like Quagmire's a terrible. Mm. To, to to say that that that's that's permissible, and then few, uh, Rick and Morty's not. I mean, and you're focusing on one gag that's people <laughs> there. Well, no, it's one gag, but then there's the whole bit with uh, Morty and the school teacher. That happens again. And uh, look, to be fair, and I know I'm going to get a lot of hate mail, and I know I'm going to get hate from people who listen to the show, and I've got friends who love Rick and Morty and are going to give me so much shit for this. But I've sat down and I've watched, I'm up to episode seven now of the first season. I have watched every single one, and I have not. I have not laughed at any jokes except for one episode, which involved, um, I know we're getting off topic, but I'll, I'll talk about it after the show and we can record it if you want. You, you can put it on afterwards. And I'll tell you about that. That one episode was had some jokes that I laughed at, but even then there were still serious problems with that episode. And once again, sexual abuse is actually a, uh, is actually a theme of that episode. Yeah. And, and, and that's and it's delving into parts that, that are otherwise not talked about. And, and I, and I think, I think it does, it does it in in sometimes does it in a really thoughtful way. Other times it doesn't. But it's it's also a stupid animated comedy. And and the the beauty of something like that is if you've given it a crack and you haven't liked it, well then it's just not up your alley. What mm. what, what what offends me as a fan of Rick and Morty is that there are people who have completely missed the message. That that yeah. that is the part that upsets me. And I to a point where I don't like telling people I'm a Rick and Morty fan because that it's, it gets associated with that mm. with that. And so, yeah. Yeah. You're not. You're not meant to. You're not meant to think that the stuff that he's, he's doing is is funny. But at the end of the day, you know that you shouldn't associate with Rick. He's not a character you should be idolizing. Where people are idolizing him, and that's that's the issue. They they put him up on a pedestal, and you really shouldn't be. You should be looking at, at as a human being, going, he's an awful man, an awful character who treats everyone around him like a piece of shit, and he gets away with it. And the problem is that people like that, and people think that it's. That he's a good yeah, character, and, and people also like the jokes about you know um, Morty fondling his teacher and uh, the teacher getting off to it. That's kind of that's kind of where, where the issue sort of come comes from me, comes from me. I mean, the big thing is even even our mass podcast's logo is is Rick and Morty because we were such big fans of it at the time, and I think even that's even that's outgrown its its purpose. I mean, I, we just haven't got around to creating a new logo, but I think I think that that moment of being a Rick and Morty fan, like Shannon said, has kind of passed because people associate it with. With the vileness of it, instead of instead of the, Ooh, instead of the good word, Jake. That was really impressive use of the word. Good job. I like that. Yeah, for me. I, 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 th- I think I think where it's where it's come down to is there is a hatred. It's now it's it's almost now popular to hate this or hate on the fandom of this show, um, and to and to really pull at straws to to pick on any particular 
the gag that you don't like and say, well, that's that's a reason I, I don't like Rick and Morty or the, this pilot episode as a whole. And I think you can do that with just about any 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 particular comedy. Comedy is is by by its definition and and, and has always been at the cutting edge of making jokes about this. And mm-hmm. I think if you want to go back to like one, you know classic comedies like South Park was always at the cutting edge of this kind of stuff and was always making jokes about. All, all all manner of horrible things. Yeah, um, and it, it had found its audience, and and like like South Park, like Family Guy, Rick and Morty will find its audience, and you you will determine the audience will determine whether it, it tolerates it or not, and and they'll keep making episodes until it, no one tolerates it anymore, until they push the barrel to a point, and and unfortunately, I think it's found that that toxic fandom, that vile fandom that it's got. Um, and, and until it does, until it, it, it hits a, 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 a ceiling that even I won't cross, mm. then I'll keep Because I, I just think, I think, that, I think the smartness of it and the actual high concept stuff that, that evolves as it goes on far outweighs anything, anything poor like that. Sure, and I, and I can see that you know art is in the eye of the beholder, and there's there's probably I'm sure there's bits that I'm that I'm I'm not a, uh, that I'm I'm missing, uh, but I'm just saying from my point of view, in my experience wasn't very positive with, and I didn't really enjoy it. So, well, I think in saying that, in saying that, I think we've kind of gone to full circle. So I think it's pretty clear that where Christian's going to lie in what he recommends and what <laughs> he won't recommend. I think based purely on the pilot, Shan, you can't go anything other than the pilot. Which show would you be recommending? Futurama. As I've already said, the, the 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 issues with the pilot of Rick and Morty were so bad that I I refused to watch more because of that. And and it was it was other people saying that really gets toned down. That changes quite a lot. Um, you've got to stick with it. Um, that only made me go back to it. If if it wasn't for that. I would have been out on the basis that I could not deal with some of those affectations. I think it's a fine pilot in the setting up of the, the world building. I think it does that absolutely competently. I think it's funny enough. I think the animation style is different enough. Everything but the fact that Rick burps and drools like a maniac was enough to put me off. There's nobody in Futurama that burps and drools like a maniac. Cogito ergo sum makes for a better pilot. So absolutely drama and as i've said i mean simpsons is one of is simpsons you know i'd love to do a whole podcast on because simpsons to which, me, which we will absolutely define my childhood and, and there is <laughs> yes. absolutely not a single moment in my life that i can't draw a simpsons quote from that that, that relates to that now having said all that it's probably the the most important show in my whole life i'll say right now this is the reason simpsons is one of the reasons i sit and do these these types of shows is because I love it so much. Mm. I've already said that Futurama, those four seasons of Futurama, are as good as anything The Simpsons done. That's how highly I rate Futurama. And this pilot does that to a plum. It shows yeah. you exactly what you are going to get consistently. No characters change. No one expands or different. It is exactly what they what they said it to a point. Like Jake said, it's they've mapped out an episode in season three in this pilot. It is a it is if you want to work out how to do a pilot, future the first Futurama episode is it. It could stand to be a bit funnier, but other than that, it's perfect. I think the great thing about Futurama is they learnt so much from The Simpsons and they've taken everything that didn't work in The Simpsons and not put it in Futurama. And the and the season the pilot episode uh, is a just a clear example of, of how to make a pilot. 
Yep. Yep. I agree. I think Futurama does a fantastic job. Um, I think it is a unique show. I think it's fair to say in, in the TV pantheon of, of history. Um, I know it's similar to Simpsons, you know, made by Matt Groening and whatnot, but I think a lot of the, um, I think a lot of the uh, the style of Futurama is very different to The Simpsons. I think the pacing of the gags is different. I think the the subject matter of the episodes. I really enjoyed that deeper dive into the the, the question of you know individuality and 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 freedom of choice, and you got to do what you got to do. And I I really loved the twist at the end where Fry became a delivery boy and actually really embraced that. Like I thought that 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 circle was really really cleverly done and, and the way that was written. Rick and Morty what um, wasn't for me, but. I, I take Shannon's point about it being, you know, comedy being the place for boundaries you pushed and edges and edges to be um, approached and, and you know gone over from time to time. So I think even if you hadn't seen Rick and Morty, and it doesn't sound like you're something you're interested in. I think it's actually probably worth watching at least just one episode to see and give it a shot. Um, and because I think it's a good thing for us to have our boundaries pushed every now and then. You know, the, the humour might not be for you. It certainly wasn't for me. Um, but you can see it and then, you know, it, it, it widens your experience and widens your, your, your field of view. And who knows, you might actually pick up some of those themes and you might actually enjoy uh, seeing Rick's rampant narcissism and abusiveness to his family. And there might be a, a narrative in there that, that actually speaks to you and, and is of some value. Um, but for me, it... Uh, a, a, a crazy alcoholic person abusing his family just uh, wasn't enough to keep me engaged. It carries on from married with children, doesn't it? Like it's <laughs> it's pretty much where we end up, isn't it? Because I don't know that there's a lot of redeeming characters to Al Bundy either, no. who seems to no. be overly abusive towards his family. So maybe we've just got a type, guys. Yeah, I think that's a fairly, a fairly um, great final thought from you, Christian. But I think the biggest tragedy about this, uh, about Futurama, is that it's always going to be compared to Simpsons. And it's, mm. it's it stands so tall by itself and i said at the start of the i said at the start of the episode that i, I agree with shan that you take you take the, the the first three seasons of futurama and hold it against um any three Sim, uh, simpsons episodes they're not going to be as iconic because people don't talk about them as much but they're still fantastic episodes and i and i and, there, and there's an episode deep down that that really hits you in the heart i think the oh. great thing about futurama is that it does hit you in the heart at times as well where i don't think it does that as well as the simpsons you, you become emotionally attached to the characters i think it's pretty yeah. fair to say yeah we'll, we'll we'll dive deep into that a little bit later maybe in the in the, in the outro after we're finished but I, I really do want to say that if you have to choose one definitely choose futurama but I think as a person who, if anyone likes animation or likes sci-fi, they have to give Rick and Morty a episode. You have to choose an episode. I don't care what episode it is. Choose a random episode, watch it, and at least judge it based on what you're watching and not what everyone says about it. Just just watch it for what it is. I'd agree with that. So uh, so that's it. It's uh, it's our, probably our most spirited debate, which I, I enjoy. So thank you. Thank you for the... The spirit in which it's good. You're all wrong, unfortunately. And when I say all, I mean Christian. But oh, I was about to say the same thing, brother. <laughs> isn't that isn't that what this podcast is all about? So look, if you, this this podcast will likely come somewhere around Christmas time. So if we yep. don't uh, don't talk to you, uh, our audience, thank you very much for giving this new show a go. Um, it's been a blast putting it together. Um, and uh, and doing it every every second week, but um, I, I'm sure I speak on behalf of of this crew when I say uh, have a have a very merry Christmas and a happy and safe new year. It's been a hell of a 2020, um, mm. and it, and a lot of people have suffered quite a lot. Hopefully, this show has given you something to a look forward to, but also some new stuff to watch where you you've been locked up inside, um, and and the battle is ongoing in in a lot of places. But thankfully, in Australia, we're we're, we're out of the, just about out of this. Uh, horrible situation 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's, you've done a really good thing there, Shannon, because you know we are in Australia, so our COVID journeys are looking very different to what's happening uh, over in the rest of the world, and it's probably worth us saying, yeah, you know, our, our thoughts are out there with everybody in the United States and Europe and uh, Asia and Africa and everywhere else um, who are who are battling COVID nineteen. Um, we hope that the vaccine rollout happens quickly and and we can get back to a normal world and a better twenty twenty one than twenty twenty was. I think the support we've been given for this this, this uh, show has been really fantastic as well. I mean, I think our friends and family are kind of sick of us plugging the podcast, but the the, the feedback for from this show has been really fantastic. I think it's helped a lot of people find some new stuff to watch, and 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 the feedback is is really positive. And if you disagree with us, please let us know because we we love that just as much as the uh, as the love mail. We love the hate mail just as much. <laughs> so so thanks very much for listening. So from me, thanks very much. See you, everyone. Merry Christmas. Thank you all. Merry Christmas. Have a happy new year, and we'll see you in the new year. All right, you ready to call the outro? Yep, talent's here, let's go. All right, you want to warm up or anything first? No, I'm no. good. <clears throat> okay, hit me. Now remember, no cliches, funny, light, it's a podcast. Go. In a world. Always do this. It's the first one. But that's, that's It's what, the most but, obvious but one. But that's what good trailers No, no, just no. On the edge of space. Shan, bedroom, house, podcast, us, go. Jurassic Park meets Twilight. Imagine that. Yeah, yeah. We're a podcast. We're not a movie. Dun, dun, dun. We podcast. Us talking about movies. Is it just, just No, no, just go. Is it because the, no, t- the T-Rex no. has little arms and couldn't stab him in the chest with a stake? Go. A rooster and a cat are friends? I know you're a cock, but this... That's helpful. Come on. Movies, podcast. It's us talking about them. Go. Two idiots have a podcast. They talk about movies and nonsense. If you'd like to join in that conversation, you can hit them up on masspodcasters at gmail.com or talk to them on Facebook. That's so hard? Yeah, my voice hurts a little. I've got a tickle and I actually think Jurassic Park and Twilight as a crossover would work. <sighs> Shut up.